Um, I am super excited. Um, you know when you, when you dream of things and you talk about things and, and then you actually see it come into fruition, it, uh, it's super exciting. Anybody been in, in that? Like you, you thought of something that it could be and then, and then it actually happened. And uh, that's where I, this is where I've been living the last couple weeks is uh, um, I've always dreamed of having uh, to be a part of a church, a part of a movement of Jesus Christ that would go into Midtown Tucson, that would move like a wave over, uh, over Tucson. And uh, it's so exciting to be a part, um, to, to be, just be a part. I mean, that's solely, um, but it's even special that we get to, to create a movement and, and how God's moving. And so Jack and, and uh, us elementary churches have been talking about the book of Philippians. We have a uh, We've been talking about all kinds of interesting things. About how Paul's been chained up, and he's been talking about all those things. And last week, he challenged you to step off the me ladder. And uh, some of you have already come, and I've already heard stories of how you stepped off the ladder of not being selfish but serving others. And uh, some of you have gotten jobs. Some of you have, have just realized, hey, you know what? I don't need all of that. And how, how God has just really kind of just as you stepped off that ladder of just trying to, to gain and be, um, he has shown you who he is. And so that's exciting. And thank you for sharing with those who shared. And uh, take that challenge. Again, remember, we're, we're not always escalating up to the top of the pinnacle of what the world wants, but what people that God has created need. And so tonight, we're going to look at a few verses in Philippians. And uh, Paul is going to give us some encouragement and then he's also going to give us some practical steps on how we live our faith out. I don't know about you, but I could take every practical step that I could to live my faith out. And so we are going to, we're going to dive into that tonight. Um, but first, I want to um, pray um, before we start reading God's word that I am invisible up here, that the Holy Spirit speaks to you directly through his word, and then I can become invisible well, that would be invisible. That would be nice. Um, but the, the, the Spirit just communicates with you. So let, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you, Lord, and, and your word is powerful, Lord, and you've given us your word to live and to work out. And Lord, I just thank you that we have the privilege of being in a country, in a place where we can just sit and hear and not worry about being tortured or being hit or being uh, made fun of in a huge way or things taken away from us because we believe in you. Lord, just speak to us tonight. Lord, make the, your words come out of my mouth. And Lord, let it be uh, your truth and your wisdom coming through. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in Philippians 2, and we're in Philippians 2, 12. And I'm just going to read the, the passage of Scripture that we're going to be in tonight, and then I'm going to go back through it, and I'm going to point out there's so many so many crucial things in here. I can't get to all of them. Um, we would be here for four, five, six hours, and I know that you guys have TiVo ready to plan to watch something after you leave here. So here we are. Philippians 2, 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among the stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life and then will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run a labor in vain, but if I 
and being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad to rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. That's a whole heck of a lot, right? The first one, the first question that I have is, is in verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but more in my absence. You parents in the room, um, don't you always hope that your kids act better away from you when, than they do in your own presence? Any, any parents in the house think that? Yeah, I, I, that's one of my fears. Um, and so he's praising them. He's thanking them, saying, you know what? Thank you for living out, doing what you're supposed to be doing, what I've instructed you to do. Thank you for doing it. And you're doing it much more than when I'm away. You're doing a better job. And he said, continue. The next phrase is, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Notice there's, uh, there's some, I'm not an English person, but there's some key words here that he does not use. He does not use work for your salvation. He doesn't use work toward your salvation. He doesn't say work at your salvation. He says work out your salvation. Some folks have taken this, um, these scriptures to mean that you have to earn your salvation with God. You have to act in a certain way to gain merit or to get it from God. No. Paul and the other apostles have made it crystal clear throughout Scripture that the relationship with God is a gift to be received, not to be earned. Paul is calling this church in Philippi and us today to work out, put into practice what we know of who Jesus is in our daily life. That's what work out means. What God has worked through the Holy Spirit in us is what we need to work out daily. It isn't working your salvation. This isn't work out my salvation so I can get something. It's No, it's working out my salvation so I have already received it, so I want to demonstrate it out. I have a story. My wife, um, any scrapbookers in the room? One, sweet, all right, good job, sweet. Notice no guys raise their hand like, yeah, oh, you know. Scrapping, I, uh, it's not one of my favorite things, but my wife loves to do it. She has a part back in, a, in, our, in our room where she has a desk and all the papers and all that kind of stuff. And, and I don't really, you know, it's kind of cool, I guess. Um, but it's really cool is when people come over that haven't seen us in a long time or that um, just in the family and we pull out those books and we look through, um, when the kids were uh, small, I have three kids, Lakin is 12, and Landon is 10, and Lawson is 8, so they're a little bit older now. But we, sometimes as a family, come out and look at those scrapbooks, and you see the pudgy cheeks, and the, them sitting down, and, and, and as it gets to Lawson, the third one, there's less and less scrapbooks, but, you know, he's a third, so what do you get? But you see, that's what you get, you're a third. But... I see them as, as cute little babies, and I see them, you know, just sitting there in the cute outfits we dress them up in and the cool pictures and all that kind of stuff. That's really cool. But as we turn the pages, we see the growth in them. We see them, you know, standing. We see them walking. We see them in their first soccer games. We see them playing sports, and it just grows and goes and goes. And I, this was the cool part is, is that my 12-year-old, would he look cute? in the little bonnet and the hats, or 
sitting there just doing that. If the pages kept on turning, it was the same picture over and over and over again, but they, their age got older, but they didn't change. That wouldn't be funny. That would be awful. That would be awful. And so they now have responsibility. They now, thank you, Jesus, they do the dishes. They do their own laundry. They pick up their room. They clean themselves. They take showers. They, do, they ding the laundry out to the laundry room. They're growing. Are they perfect? Absolutely not. But they are growing. They're not just sitting as a blob looking cute. They are growing into young people and young adults with responsibility, knowing that they will grow up to be an adult. Once we become Christians, we can't just sit and be cute and adorable and say, yes, we're saved, we have a salvation, and we're good. We need to grow in our faith. Getting our pass into heaven or accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior is just the beginning. It is not the end. So if we think that we're, we are saved, yes. But if we just sit there and that's all, that's, we don't grow from that, we don't move from that, we are missing out on a huge adventure that Jesus has destined us to be on. And it says, in fear and in trembling. Paul's not giving us this picture like, you know, like a, I had a black Labrador when I was young. And uh, we got him from the shelter, um, the Humane Society. And any time that you made any fast movement with your hands or moved towards them, uh, Cricket, that's the name of the dog, um, would, would cower. Front legs would go, head would go down. That's not the fear we're talking about here. We do not need to fear who God is. It's not us knock need shaking like, oh my gosh, I've done something wrong, I'm going to get punished. It's knowing that Jesus has all authority in our lives so that he can work out in us and through us his plan for us. In verse 13, let's look at verse 13. I much rather teach out of the Psalms because it's in the middle of the Bible and it's easier to hold. I didn't say that, did I? Yes, I did. Verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill God's purpose. When I say to fill God's purpose in your life, that's huge. That seems large. That seems you can't put handles on it. It's not tangible. And so let's, let's give you an example. So God, is, his will and his act is going to move in through us. So other parts of scripture say God calls you to love your Either it was neighbor or enemies. We're going to go with enemies because it's harder to, to love your enemies. Now, are we going to be able to do that in our own strength and our own will? Maybe. But if we are going to forgive completely and really, truly, honestly love our enemies, that is a God-sized thing. We have to let God move in us and through us and so that he can do the things that he needs to do in our lives. We can't do everything by ourselves. I've learned that, and I hopefully you've learned that, that we need to lean on God. 
But some things we can do ourselves that will help us in our, in our worlds. If we, again, are um, loving our enemies, does loving our enemies look like sending nasty emails? Does it look like totally belittling them on Facebook or, or sending them nasty phone messages, NFL? Or does it look like doing something physical to them, like egging their house? I know that was immature, but, you know, egg their house. Or what does it look like if we're loving our neighbors and we're letting God in us and the will? Does it look like we need to talk behind people's back and, and, and slander their character? Does it look like that? No, it doesn't. So if God is in us and through us, we can do some things that manifest in us that help reflect him. And that is keeping our our tongue in check and and keeping other people's character um, in God's hands and not in our hands. Let's let's read uh, uh, verse 14. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. I'm just going to sit there for a second. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Let's just focus on 14 and 15. How's that going? How's the uh, not complaining and not arguing? Show of hands. Everyone 100%. 30%, 30%, I went from 100 to 30, I'm going back up, 60%, are we all good that it's, we were struggling with this? How many of you, just by show of hands, if you want to be brave and courageous, how many of you actually like to argue? You, got a little, you guys get a little rush out of that? And how many of you like to complain? You would never say this, complain, you're saying it as I'm a realist. Or something like that. Let me demonstrate this for you. Um, my middle son is 10. He um, played football for the first time this year. So he's nine and, we're playing with 9 and 10-year-olds. And uh, I don't know whose idea was it to play, have 9 and 10-year-olds put equipment on that they can't put on themselves. And um, so I, I, was just, I was really happy for him to, to play. And I was just going to be on the sidelines and, and be in the bleachers. Yay! good team. And then I, um, then I saw the coaches that were coaching with him. I'm like, oh, I got to do this. I got to get in there. This is going to be fun. And so every day of practice, every day of practice without a fail, without a fail, we would um, get, in, get in the huddle after practice. And um, we do this thing where they put their helmets up and they, you know, who we are, Gators, who we are, Gators. And who are the Seminole fans, I'm sorry. And um, so we would cheer. And inevitably, one of the coaches would um, say yes at the beginning of practice for one of the players to do the call out at the end of the, of the, the practice. And, and then they would learn that they could ask the different coaches and then each coach would say yes. And then we'd get down to the end of the practice and there was five coaches. So check this chaos out. And well, coach said I could do it. No, coach said I could do it. Coach said, no, I could do it. And then it was just constant complaining every single practice. It's been nine weeks, three practices a week and it has never changed. It has never changed. And that's our issue probably as adults. We probably need to step through that. But, but then during practice also, they would, they would be like, here's the running backs, right? The glory positions, the quarterbacks, the running backs, the DBs, the wide receivers. You know, they, 
they are never content. They are never content. These kids are nine and 10 years old. Well, I want to do this. Can I go do this? Can I go do that? This kid has, he's the fastest kid on the team and he wants to be the offensive lineman. I'm thinking, why would you want to be the offensive lineman? And they would constantly, we would call a play, call a play and they would get out into the play. And then as they were leaving the huddle, the running backs, the quarterback and the wide receivers would be, would be having a discussion. They would be having a discussion like, um, we don't like that play. We're going to do this. And they would create their own little play that they would do. And then they'd get to the line of scrimmage. And then we'd say, hut, 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 right? And it's not working. It's like we got kids flying over there. We got kids flying there. And the ball's in the middle field not working. And uh, so we pulled them all together. And uh, the quarterback, all quarterbacks are like this. Um, I thought I had a better idea. When we complain and grumble, we make it all about ourselves. When we look at a situation or when we come around someone, we think we know better, and it's all about us. It's because we don't trust in the authority of who Jesus Christ is. When we grumble and complain, we say, I know better, God. Leave me alone. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to complain about it, and I'm going to talk about it because there's something deep in us. Spiritually, there's an issue or a disconnect when we complain. It is telling God, you don't have it right. Our attitude is to be of joy. If we complain and grumble, then it is a sign of an inward spiritual problem or issue that we don't trust God or his absolute authority in our lives. Reminds me of a story in the Old Testament. They got saved as slaves. They got walked through a huge river. They were provided Food and drink and shelter and leadership. And the Israelites walked for 40 years around and around and around. They complained about they didn't have the food that they wanted. They complained that their their housing wasn't right. They complained that They were tired of the, the food that was given. And they were promised, God's promise was the land of milk and honey, the promised land. But they couldn't see that far because their lens and their filters were all about what I needed and what I was supposed to get. And if you read through the 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 whole journey of the Israelites, it's all of that. It's a it's a grumbling, complaining, arguing fest. And so we should take that information and realize that there's a reason why. It doesn't say, do 14. It says everything. Let's all say it together. Let's say everything on three. One, two, three. Let's say it with conviction. One, two, three. Everything. And that's how we should live our life is, you know what? It's not like, you know, when... You go to the grocery store and you're, there's someone in line and you're like, oh, why don't they just open another cashier? They got like 2,600 down here. 
what if God wants you not to complain? Maybe he just wants you still in that moment. Think about the things that you complain about the most. Are they distracting you from God? And I know it sounds familiar to you because it's in our nature. It's in our nature to complain. It's in our nature to argue because we think that we know what's best. Let's read chapter, chapter, chapter two. That's what I think too. Let's read 15. So that you can become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. If we're grumbling and complaining, if, if we're around people that have not met Jesus yet or aren't on the journey with him, and we are constantly bashing someone or complaining or arguing and just making a, just, I can't say that word, um, just a bad representation, we, we just blend in. We just become part of the world. But what God is saying in, in 15 here, it says, then, then you will shine among the stars in the sky as you hurl firmly to the word of life. Halloween, I was, um, we uh, went out trick-or-treating and uh, we didn't go in our neighborhood. I live Midtown, I live uh, Wilmot and 22nd and, uh, and so we, we decided to go to our friends, invited us to go out to uh, uh, 49 Year Country Club, which is out on north, Northeast Tucson. And uh, we were walking through the neighborhood and, and it was really, it was really cool. And, uh, we were just walking and kids are having a fun time and people are on these carts collecting candy and all that kind of stuff. And, and I look up and I was just stunned. I was stunned at what I saw. I looked up and I saw these stars in the sky. They were bright. And I, I know they've been there forever, but when we're in town and I look up, I don't see that kind of um, brilliance. I don't see that type of, 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 of star. I mean, it's the same star. I just don't see it. And so in this scripture here, it says, when you shine among them like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life, and then I will be able to boast of the day of Christ Jesus. If we as Christians, and Paul's saying this, that you're like stars, you're like bright stars, that as we work out our faith and as we move with Christ, we become like bright stars. Now, do, do stars, like at my house, there, there's lots of light around, but when you move the star out into the darkness or we move where we're in the darkness and we see that light, they become brilliant. And so often or not, we choose to stay in the light because it's more comfortable. We choose to, to stay in the light because the darkness is scary and that's, I don't want to go out there, it's too hard. So Paul is drawing this contrast between the church and the world. Paul talks about the shining light in the world. He says, it is crooked, it is depraved, it is dark. He wrote this 2,000 or so years ago. And our culture hasn't changed much, has it? It's gotten worse or it's the same the same. We live as light before the dark world. As we work out our faith, we become bright in the darkness. We move the darkness and we have more opportunities if we take our bright light and we work out our faith and we let God work out our faith, we 
can push back darkness with our lights. Where do we go to be lights? You, uh, you may have a great workplace. You may have a great school classroom. You may have a lot of different things, but those are all places where God wants you to be a shining light. Over the last 18 years of doing ministry, I have had this conversation a lot of times. I am so frustrated at work. I am so frustrated at school. The people don't know who Jesus is, and they are just making my life miserable. It's, it's a horror. It's a wretched place to work. It's fill in the blank. And my question is, maybe you're there to be a brilliant light to the people in that space. And God is using that opportunity to build faith in you. One of my favorite quotes is by an author called Max Lucado. He, uh, I've heard this multiple times and I probably used it here, but this is when we work out our faith, when we live and trust God with who he is and we trust his authority, we can reflect him in our lives. And Max Lucado writes, he says, the whole purpose of the moon in the solar system is to reflect the sun. The sun comes up, the, sun go, the moon goes down and rotates and it reflects the sun. Now, I don't think that's, that's in God's design because our job as believers in Jesus Christ is to reflect his son. Are you shining and reflecting Jesus? Are you standing in the middle of darkness just blending in? The Bible says, shine them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. You can't shine brightly in dark areas if you're not connected firmly to who Jesus is. You need to work out what that relationship is so that you can live out connected to him so you can be a bright star in his kingdom. So I have some challenges for you. If you have a pen, pencil, I want you to write these guys down. So, one, we just talked about shining your light. Maybe you don't even have a light to shine, but maybe your light is covered with junk. Maybe life, fear, your own well, your own selfish uh, desires uh, is covering your light. Um, maybe... Your light is, you're just being selfish with your light. You got it tucked in your armpit or you don't want to share your light because you're afraid of what, what it's going to discover or what position God's going to get you in. Or maybe you have an inconsistent light that flickers on and off. And so I want you to answer one of the, who in your quiet time this week or just questions you ask, which one are you? Or you may be a multiple of those. Are you, a, do you have a light to shine? Are you, is your light covered with something or is something in the way of your light? Are you selfish with your light or does your light flicker inconsistently? And then, number two, this is, the, this is gonna hurt, just letting you know. So 
Stop grumbling and complaining. Ask God to help you in this area. Ask him to help you be more aware of how you do this. I'm going to let you know I thought I was pretty good. And over the last four days, I have failed miserably. And I don't think I, it was just because I'm accounting it. I think we do it all the time, and I think we become numb to it. And I think we just do it, and we don't even realize it. I was, there's been multiple times this week that I was like, ooh, that would be considered arguing and complaining. Oh, that was awful. Oh, there was lots of those cringe moments. So ask God to help you in this area. Just be alert to it. Um, and then if you're really brave, we have any brave people in the house? I like it. Thank you for your conviction. If you're brave enough and you really want to see how this works out in your life, ask someone close to you, a friend, a family member, to keep track. And that's my wife laughing. <laughs> so if you are courageous and you think you've got this under wraps and you think, hey, you know what? I, I, this isn't an issue for me. Other than everything without grumbling and complaining is in verse 14. That means everything. Everything. If your husband rolls the toothpaste on the wrong side, that's everything. Or if you're roommate leaves their shoes out in the living room, or if the dishes aren't done, or the person pulls off in traffic, that's everything. So ask, if you're brave, if you're brave, ask a friend or a family member to keep track. No? That's not a good one? All right. Okay, here we go. The last one. The last one is put into practice your faith in a daily living. We come here and we're in light. We're with people that, um, for the most part, believe the same things we do. And, and then we go out into the world and we're like, Poof, I ain't going to deal with that person. I'm not going to deal with that person. And so don't settle this week and hear from beyond. Do not settle for just your salvation. Don't settle for that. Work it out so others can see Jesus in you by cutting down on your grumbling complaining and to figuring out where your light is and so that you can shine, don't, don't let your light be dim and ex work out your salvation. Work out that what God has in store for you. Is it scary? Lyle said it in his prayer earlier that if we knew what was in store for us, we would run for the hills. But he only gives us just a little bit and we're like, oh, that's cool. Thunk, thunk, thunk. And we, I can speak for me. The steps that I've made in faith um, are rewarding. I got an amazing wife. I have an amazing children. I have an amazing uh, church that I get to be a part of. I get to be a part of an amazing community. And if I wouldn't have said yes, and I haven't worked out that foundation, has it been easy? Absolutely not. Will it be easy? No. But it's worth it. And so... Let's practice working out our salvation this week by showing our light and stopping our grumbling and complaining. Can we do that, church? Yeah. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come into this time of 
reflection about your body and your blood in communion and how we take that. Lord, I just, I don't know if these words did this passage justice, Lord, but we know that our words and our actions reflect who you are. And Lord, help us let you work out those things in our lives. Lord, convict us of those things that are, are causing damage. Lord, in this corrupt world we live in, Lord, let us live pure. Lord, let us live um, the way that you want us to live. And Lord, I just, Lord, just move in us this week. Lord, as we take communion, let us remember the sacrifice that you gave us in your son. Lord, so that we could have salvation, that we could have this ability to work it out. Lord, show us where we can be lights in our workplace, in our families. And Lord, help us to hold our tongues of when we, things don't go our way or when things aren't going our direction, that we, that we just give it to you. Lord, that we just let you take care of it. And Lord, give us the strength and the power to move in you. Amen.